listening to Tulsa Talks, a Tulsa People podcast, episode 2.9. I'm Anna Bennett. This episode of Tulsa Talks is brought to you by the Tulsa Regional Chamber. Today, a conversation with Kuma Roberts, the Chamber's self-described Renaissance woman. Then, Morgan Phillips tries her hand at figure drawing in a fully clothed installment of What the What? So let's talk Tulsa. I just love Tulsa people. I have to give props. I used to work here, so I'm very excited. Yes, that's right. I used to work here. I was the, I think they were being nice. I think it was just the receptionist. But you were subscriptions But manager. I was just subscriptions manager. Yes. I had a different ring. You couldn't tell me I wasn't just like an executive in the company. That's Kuma Roberts, executive director of diversity, equity, and inclusion at Tulsa Regional Chamber and former subscriptions manager for a little publication called Tulsa People Magazine. Kuma has been a fixture at the Tulsa Regional Chamber since 2011, but her current position is a new one, and one that's uniquely suited to her experiences across fields like education, workforce development, and communications. This all culminated into a single nexus that gets her out of bed every morning, energized and focused. Because to understand and advocate for diversity and inclusion both within the Tulsa Regional Chamber and across industries in Tulsa, one must understand the multifaceted ways that economics, race, education, history, gender, politics, and so many other elements intersect. And Kuma is clearly ready to take on this role with gusto. And yes, the Tulsa Regional Chamber is a sponsor of this podcast, but this conversation is authentic and unguarded, and I know you'll come away with some reactions and thoughts. So let's dive in. So I've been at the chamber for eight years. Uh, I feel like I am a renaissance woman when it comes to the chamber. I've had the privilege of working in a bunch of different divisions, raising funds and resource development, communications, uh, events moved into education, workforce development, and now finally, diversity, equity, inclusion. So I'm the executive director of diversity, equity, inclusion at the Tulsa Regional Chamber. When we talk about reinvention, I mean, there's nothing that typifies that better than this new role. Uh, The chamber has um, just been very focused on economic development, on tourism, on, on, of course, raising money. Our members focus on that. But this new sign that they're looking to um, think about equity, to think about increasing diversity and inclusion and what that means for our chamber and what that means for our city it's become quite huge. So I got the role in November of last year. It includes um, driving the strategic initiatives across the entire organization, but it also includes leading Mosaic, which is our external facing coalition of corporate uh, corporate partners and nonprofit partners who strive to create diverse, equitable, inclusive uh, community. So I'm very excited. So you're sort of like in the middle of this, both looking outward as sort of being yeah. available as a resource to the greater business community, community. but also within the chamber itself, which I don't think people realize just how massive an organization it is. It's huge. We have nine different divisions. Mm -hmm. And so to think differently about how to infuse more diversity or equity in conversations around economic development, tourism, these are all new conversations the chamber is having to uh, have. Mm -hmm. And how do we reinvent what that looks like or the relationship to my role to the organization has been a real 
period of, of fascination and challenges as well. Yeah. So how has your experience like across these different elements of the chamber prepared you for this this role? Oh, my gosh. I, I like I said, I'm a renaissance woman. So um, first off, I started in resource development. I got the real understanding of what funds a chamber, how you know membership is the key, you know, who, who makes up our membership. We know that 85 percent of our members are small business owners. OK, that's incredible. What percentage are corporations? How do nonprofits play? So I got that that look in to see how that works and investors and how we deal with that. Then I moved into communication. So I got to see all of our publications, our relo guides. How do we reach out to the people and draw them into Tulsa? How do, how do they see Tulsa through the lens of print publication and other events that we had? But really the place that I got my most, uh, my biggest education was in education, working in K-12. So I was partnering the business community with our public school system through Partners in Education. So our businesses were lending the things that made the most sense for them to our public schools, whether that be volunteers, reading partners, um, donations, in-kind gifts. What were the needs of our schools and how could the business community help to provide that? And I did that for the longest chunk of time for five years really got to see some of the needs, the challenges, but also some of the incredible companies that really are invested in education and students in the region, which led into workforce development. How are we filling our jobs? What are the high demand growth sectors? What's the training needed? How do we do all that? Yeah, because you can't just say, well, we want more to attract more companies to Tulsa. We want more jobs. Right. Well, how are you preparing people for those jobs? Absolutely. And to, to me, with education, it's like obviously so crucial to workforce development, and it almost feels like a like a chicken in the egg situation Absolutely. with like attracting people to Tulsa. You Absolutely. know, because people want to come to Tulsa knowing that the school systems are great and their kids are yep. gonna have a bright future. But then those businesses want to know. What's there? What's what's there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a friend of mine told me a while back, and I use it all the time. In Tulsa, certainly at the chamber, we can um, grow our talent or we can steal our talent. Those are really the two challenges, mm-hmm. right? And so, how do we grow them so that they're excited about manufacturing and what that means? Yeah. And how do we how do we steal them so they stay and aren't pulled in by the allure of maybe the coasts in LA and New York? Mm-hmm. So we've got a lot of really great things happening. Yeah, so. absolutely. And of course. Um, you know, diversity and inclusion doesn't operate in a vacuum either. Um, (laughs) You know, and it seems like everyone pays like lip service to this whole idea of we want to be diverse. We want to be inclusive. But it seems like you're having so much experience across the board and then bringing that into this position makes you obviously very uniquely qualified and also speaks to the, the importance of understanding the holistic mm-hmm. ways in which diversity, inclusion, race, gender, sex, all this plays into the workforce. Because yeah. you can't just have an office of like, we want to be more diverse. <laughs> well, well, what is that? Right. <laughs> that? That's called faking progress. Mm-hmm. And, a, and a lot of us have gotten really good at that. A lot of companies, I think, internally, I think even the chamber has really done a lot of, okay, wow, we've had a black person that showed up at our event, or we've had an African-American or a, a Hispanic person on a panel. Well, you know, that really speaks to our diversity. And really, it's 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 embedded across so much more than that, it's so much deeper. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we we call that checking the box and how do we get beyond checking the box so that there's authentic interaction and connection and then um, understanding and engagement in the communities that are underrepresented in mm-hmm. our in our chamber in our membership and then in our community in general so it's 
like I said, it's been exciting, but it's a lot to think about. And I feel like I have a lot of people watching because if we can get it right, Tulsa really is poised to become mm-hmm. a world-class city, which I know our mayor is really focused on. So. Yeah. Excited. So what what are the tangible things that you're focused on in this new in this new position? Like what 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 is the chamber doing to like sure. physically? Well, there, there's uh, several things. I can tease a few, mm-hmm. um, but I can talk a, a little bit about some of the actual tangible things that have already happened. Yes, we absolutely. are really looking at every single event that we're having, um, every committee, every council, every everything and really looking at the makeup of that. And if Tulsa has an 8% African-American, 12% Hispanic, you know, a growing Burmese and Zomi population, how do we infuse those populations to reflect so that they are adequately represented in mm-hmm. those organizations? So Tulsa's future in our manufacturing council, in our tourism, in our, in our publications, are we depicting images of those populations adequately in all of those things? So that's number one. Number two, I think uh, what we're doing is trying to create create authentic relationships with these underrepresented, uh, underrepresented communities and populations. So really being proactive and going out. And I've taken Mike, Neil, and Justin to the Black Wall Street Chamber luncheon. I've participated in the Hispanic uh, organization, the Coalition of Hispanic Organizations. I've um, reached out to the Indo-American Chamber and gone to some of their lunches, just really understanding how many vast, you know, very specific groups and communities there are that, that have a voice and that want to be seen and that have active business, entrepreneur, entrepreneurial um, interests and all of the things that we have common ground on. So it's been exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's that, those are the those are the two main things. We have some larger things. We have our minutes. Uh, the chamber has uh, a minutes release that's upcoming from the actual time of the race massacre, and we're going to share those minutes publicly. We think it's important from mm-hmm. a historical standpoint to make those public, but also to really address some of the troubling um, passages within them and things that, that really showcase that uh, the Tulsa of then is no longer the Tulsa of today, right. and that we're on a different trajectory to make things different. So these are some of the really exciting things coming down the pike yeah yeah absolutely (laughs) that's that's so fascinating I hadn't even considered that I mean with the the chamber being as old as it is yes that wow what (laughs) (laughs) yeah so um how do you uh you talked a little bit about fostering these authentic relationships with underrepresented communities um is that sort of what separates checking boxes from actual like inclusion and equity. Absolutely. Um, Otherwise it's just window dressing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so to be able to say, Oh, I have a real relationship with the head of the Hispanic chamber. I know him. I know his family. I've been to events. He, he can call me when he needs a connection um, and vice versa. I think that's powerful and not just Mm me, our leadership, our volunteer leadership, our board chair. I think that's really important. Uh, We also see a lot of work being done on our board, uh, presence and the makeup of that board. How do we uh, make sure that we have um, a CEO presence of people of color as well as more women on the board? And I understand so, that's an area that the, the chamber's made huge strides on. Is, absolutely. Yeah. We've really increased the percentage of women on our board. Mm-hmm. It's now 47% women, so almost half. Wow. Uh, we have a lot of work to do as it relates to people of color, but it's a chamber. Mm-hmm. And so if they haven't been engaged in the chamber up to this point, it's hard to rise to the, the place where you're sitting on the board, but we're trying to create those relationships so that those people can have a place. Like uh, building pipelines to, to get involved. Absolutely, to actually get involved in the right. chamber. You can't just walk in 
in on day one and be on the board of directors, but if mm-hmm. you understand the value of it and it's impacted or made a difference in your business, then absolutely, why wouldn't you want to be a part of it? And so we're right. trying to really create those pipelines. Yeah, so really you're already building the board that's 10, 15 years from now because you have, you have to. to start. Yeah, Right, you have to start somewhere with it. Mm-hmm. And it is chicken and the egg, like... right so uh we're kind of building the plane while flying it but it's been a lot of fun we'll be back with more tulsa talks but first a quick word from our sponsors tulsa talks listeners we love tulsa and we know you do too so does the tulsa regional chamber you might not realize it but the chamber is more than 100 years old which more than makes it a tulsa institution They represent 2,000 member organizations and more than 175,000 area workers. As a business-driven leadership organization, their goal is to improve the quality of community life through the development of regional economic prosperity. What does that mean? It means their staff of 75 works hard every single day to attract, retain, and expand great businesses. They work to increase educational access and workforce skill levels. They advocate on behalf of their members at both the state and federal levels. They champion efforts to make our community more livable and inviting. And they promote our region as a vibrant tourist destination. To learn more about all that the Chamber does and to become a member, visit TulsaChamber.com. Welcome back to Tulsa Talks. I'm Anna Bennett. When we left off, Kuma Roberts was explaining the way her position at the Tulsa Regional Chamber represents an internal reinvention, an acknowledgement by the chamber that diversity and inclusion have not always been a priority. But now, these elements are an integral part of the organization and its continuing relevance in the modern world. But apart from being the right thing to do, fostering an inclusive work environment is just good business. Kuma explains why all businesses should be reinventing their approach to diversity during our interview. So the the Tulsa Regional Chamber is obviously very invested in and has recognized the value of fostering um, an environment that is that is diverse, that is inclusive, that is equitable. Yeah. Um, why should businesses at large be investing in in these in these? Well, sorts man. of things within their companies. Yeah. If you're not um, looking at the news and you're not seeing the kinds of places that more people want to be a part of, uh, more millennials, uh, m- not even millennials anymore, people in general mm-hmm. want to be in a welcoming, opening, uh, open, um, you know, inclusive community. And companies are relocating to those places. That's mm-hmm. a signal that they are those things. And so when we talk about attracting more business like Amazon or Google or Zappos or any of those large Fortune 500 companies, they're really checking off the box about what what does Tulsa have to offer? And if we aren't doing more than just, oh, we've got a few people on our board, if we aren't really creating policies and practices that are inclusive and equitable, then uh, they're not going to be coming here. So, so number one, those things are the right thing to do. But I think most importantly that anymore, they're the profitable thing to do. Mm. And if you're not thinking about your teams, your organization, all of those things with an equity and a diversity and inclusion lens, then you're really behind the times. And you have to, you have to kind of step forward into that because those are the things that are starting to uh, coat and layer across every organization. That's productive. That's making money. Mm-hmm. So. And there have been a lot of, I mean, I don't have any numbers off the top of my head, but, you know, studies have shown that. You know, a more diverse workforce is a more innovative workforce. Absolutely. Um, and that 
you know, if you're in a group of like, you know, I think they did this with NASA scientists or um, like uh, astronaut candidates. Like if you're in a homogenous group, um, like there's less conflict because everyone comes from the same background. But if you are in a very diverse group, there is going to be conflict and there is going to be an adjustment period. But ultimately... You're, the, the team as a whole is more adept at solving problems. Absolutely. Because you're open to hearing all the various perspectives, all the different points of view. It just makes the team better. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I really like that. I like the idea that someone's going to counter what I have to say. We're demonstrating that internally, too, yeah. in our company. You know, that we have this open door policy and this ability to kind of push back, which has been really exciting because mm-hmm. I want to hear what the white male has to say. I want to hear what the, the person who's a, of a different generation has to say. Mm-hmm. I want to hear what that young person or that millennial has to say, mm-hmm. that typro. So it's been really fabulous to see us trying to demonstrate internally within our organization the kinds of things that we'd like to see more across Tulsa in general and and the companies that we serve through the chamber and that like having the fact that you're having difficult conversations isn't like a detraction it's actually a good thing it's a great like you know those things that may look like conflict on the surface are actually building uh, stronger relationships yeah we have to and i I don't want to you know just layer out a bunch of platitudes but we have to be comfortable being uncomfortable yeah. way more often <laughs> yeah 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 and and yeah it's led to some really challenging conversations where i've had to say mm-hmm. can you check the place that came from why you felt right. like you needed to say that or, or why you need to say it that way to me or you know and it's, it's been interesting but i love that each and every time our leadership comes back and says um Oh wow! I thought about that. That made a lot of sense. Let's let's think about doing it this way, or let's think about doing it differently. And so, I think if that's happening for us, and it's happening in other places, then wow, Tulsa is only going to benefit even more for it. Right. Yeah. So the leadership is willing to be challenged yes. in that way. Be challenged in that way mm-hmm. and self-reflect. Yeah. Um, and I think they've always been willing, but it's scary. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no one wants to be called racist. Ugh. No one wants to be called as not doing enough or mm-hmm. seeming weak. And so it's a it's a pretty vulnerable place that I think um, our city in general uh, just has to kind of move toward in Mm -hmm. order to be really seen as authentic, moving the needle, and and world-class. That's what people are doing, you know, Mm -hmm. showing up in a big way and kind of weathering all of these challenges. What are some actionable steps that, um, from your experience, businesses, nonprofits, organizations uh, can take to make sure that they are having the hard conversations that need to happen Mm -hmm. in order to create a more inclusive environment? Well, first of all, um, you have to take some assessment of where you are right now. Mm -hmm. And that requires that hard look internally at what's going on. And certainly the chamber has the Mosaic Index, which we do every June through the end of August. And it's kind of a a 101. Um, Where is your CEO commitment? Um, Where do you stand on your internal hiring policies? How do you create education opportunities for your staff? Um, What does uh, professional development look like? And are you providing adequate options for women or mentorship or people of color within your organization. So I encourage everyone to take that as a first step just to understand where you are. There's certainly other um, assessments that can be done and other companies you can engage to do that, but we think that we have a great free beginning place. And where can people go to find that? Um, MosaicTulsa.com. Thank you, Anna, for that (laughs) work. (laughs) 
<laughs> Wonderful opportunity. MosaicTulsa.com um, will have um, a PDF of the past uh, index that we released last year and gives people an opportunity to kind of pre-see some of the questions we ask. And then we do a kind of a customized report upon the taking of that during that mm. period, which gives you some specifics and resources with which to find to kind of uh, level up if you have low uh, employee engagement in these areas. How can you change that? Or if you feel like you have great employee engagement, but maybe your CEO or leadership isn't embedding it across the organization, we have some places you can go to change those things as well. So that's number one. The other thing is get involved and see more and do more and be engaged in the community. When you when you are engaged in education, you see a large range. You see the growing, changing demographics of what school looks like. So mm-hmm. You know that there's a huge Hispanic population. You understand that the Burmese and the Zomi have a, a, a growing population here. And then you can better serve them. And then understand who your clients are. Who, who do you serve? And then how can you start to measure the things about that population in order to tweak and change little things within your company or organization that could create greater impact from from how you're being perceived in that community. Um, it all seems very broad and huge, but come to Mosaic meetings. We meet the third Tuesday of every month. And there we have a really great subset of different groups of people talking about all the various things. We talk about the New Tolson's Initiative. We talk about 287G and the ICE detention. We talk about race and Juneteenth and some of the things that are coming up. We'll talk about women. We'll talk about veterans, disability. We just have a wide range of topics and we want everyone to be a part of that. We'll be back with more Tulsa Talks, but first, sharpen your pencils. Morgan Phillips is headed to AHA to draw a live model during What the What? After nine months of these segments, I've learned a few things. Mostly very specific things, like the fact that nothing but time can remove blue indigo dye from your hands. Also, I say wow a lot. Wow. 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 If I had to sum up the most meaningful thing I've learned so far, it's that when you're willing to try someone's hobby for the first time, it makes them really happy. It's not because the people I've met are eager to be in the spotlight. They're simply tickled that you want in on this thing they've found that brings them joy. Joyful is how I would describe my first visit to this studio makerspace at AHA Tulsa. I went there to try figure drawing, sketching a real-life model. Who is fully clothed, by the way? More on that later. I step off the elevator and walk past homemade pinwheels twirling in the breeze of a box fan. I sit down with a small group of other sketch artists. John, the father of two young girls crafting nearby, lends me a piece of charcoal. He's a member at AHA Tulsa to expose his daughters to the arts. Haley is a hairstylist who studied drawing in college but determined she'd rather create art for fun than make a living from it. And I'm 27, okay. so it was really cool like to get back in that, and then it's one of those things like... Lynn, who has a bright blue pompadour, is new to Tulsa, a mother of twins. Here we are, all happily sketching, trying to capture the essence of a beautiful draped model named Kenny, who it turns out was also trying something new. This is my, not my first time, this is actually my second time being a clothed model. I'm usually nude. Okay. So I'm usually getting painted or draped or something like that. And that's why I'm the most comfortable. It's so funny, me be having clothes on, I feel more awkward people looking at me. That's crazy. I know, I think it's because my free space is when I'm all hanging out. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. So this is my first time here at AHA. 
Okay. And then I usually am at Living Arts or Cellar Dweller or different art events downtown okay. around the around the city. So now for the million dollar question. <laughs> so how'd you get into that? Um long story short, I struggled with self-esteem growing up. And people think because I'm a smaller woman that I'm comfortable in my skin because of what society says beautiful is. And it's like, oh, you're small, you're skinny, you're happy. Like, no, I actually um, am insecure about my weight. But I got to a point where I was like, you know what, this is what I have to work with. And I'm going to just embrace it. And so I'm more of a hot and cold. There's no lukewarm. And so I was at cold, being insecure. And then when I got hot... I was like, you know what? I'm going to just let it all show. Mm-hmm. I'm going to just let me take my shirt off. <laughs> I got nipples just like y'all. Right. I got, yeah. So now I'm just like, it's liberating for me. Wow. For just to be naked and to be out there and just to let it all hang out. Wow. I love Talk it. about someone up for a new adventure. Hashtag life goals. Back to AHA Tulsa. Figure drawing is just one of the many periodic activities to be found here. Amber Litwack, Director of Education and Exhibitions, explains that the studio is open to people of all ages during AHA Tulsa's public hours. Visitors have access to a wide variety of materials to create with. Fibers. Um, We have a giant loom where people can come in and experiment with weaving. We have a large uh, community embroidery activity. So those things are always changing, but it's always a place um, for people to come in and play, experiment, and create. Not sure where to start? If people need a little help getting started, we have a gumball machine full of creative challenges um, just to help people get their creative juices flowing. For more information on this studio and AHA Tulsa's exhibitions, camps, classes, and workshops, visit ahatulsa.org. This summer, I hope you'll get out and try something new. Chances are you'll be welcomed with open arms and you'll meet some lovely people along the way. Until next time, Tulsa. <laughs> just mess around. Do y'all mind if I got, like, a picture of you guys? Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Do we, like, scoot over and, like, be drawing? Um, yeah. Okay. Tulsa Talks listeners, if you own a business, this is for you. The Tulsa Regional Chamber wants to be your partner in prosperity. With a membership in the Tulsa Regional Chamber, you will be connected to a growing network of 2,000 business owners throughout Northeast Oklahoma. Your company will join the largest business-to-business community in the Tulsa area. At more than 100 Chamber events a year, your company can build relationships with potential clients, promote your brand, and give back to the community we all love. Through the Chamber, you can connect to Visit Tulsa, the Tulsa Convention and Visitors Bureau, as well as the Tulsa Sports Commission and their programs and events. Whether you are interested in legislative advocacy efforts, becoming a member of Tulsa's Young Professionals, or supporting diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts through Mosaic, membership in the Tulsa Regional Chamber can help you impact our community and build your business in meaningful ways. For more information on how the Chamber can partner with you, visit TulsaChamber.com. Welcome back to Tulsa Talks. I'm Anna Bennett. Kuma Roberts is a champion for having difficult conversations about race, gender, age, and more as it relates to the workplace. 
But her personal life is also a fascinating intersection of these very things. She's also proof that having earnest discussions and reinventing old presumptions that no longer serve is just as invigorating within a family as it is within a business. From first glance, you've really kind of invented what a, what a family looks like. Yeah, can you talk about your your husband? I would love to talk yeah. about my family. I have the most. I think I have a pretty unique family mm-hmm. in the sense that my husband and I have a thirty three year age difference. He's from a different race. He's white. Um, so we have this generational difference. We have this racial difference. We're raising our one year old son together, um, and my daughter from another marriage. Who's fourteen? So we've got this teenage in the house mm-hmm. and um, and he traditionally stays at home and he's retired so he uh, does a lot of the pickup of the kids from the bus stop and daycare and and I'm out here working uh, every day and having um, board meetings and traveling a lot for work so it's been really fun for me because I'm mm-hmm. just living my best life yeah but I think he's also living his best life he did this corporate rat race for a while mm-hmm. he had his own business and so now he really enjoys getting up in the middle of the night tending to the baby and um, you know wondering what's for dinner and uh, keeping me on track in this mm-hmm. way so we've reinvented family dynamics in a way for us it works yeah. really well that, that we have that role that's awesome was there I mean was it was it difficult to sort of realize that you needed to readjust what society expected in order to really fit what you wanted or did um, you just kind of fall I into it I think it was harder for for me, and that I really felt like I should also be this wifey, you know, have dinner on the table. And I think he probably expected it because it's kind of how he had been raised and what he'd been used to that, you know, there was a dinner time and this is kind of how we do things. But um, he really, I call him the true wind beneath my wings. And he uh, always says, go slay dragons, go out, do your thing. I'm here. You just take care of what you got to. And I, I love that. So yes, there was hard. We've been together for 12 years. So, you know, we've kind of worked through a lot, but now we're at this place where he knows that I'm doing what I got to do for myself, for, for what makes me happy. It's, I love being out and about. And then he's doing what makes him happy, which is really have a great relationship with our kids and do all the things I think he might have missed out on at some point in his life. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been good. That's amazing. And how has, because um, you are the mother of a teenager. Yeah. And then suddenly you're also the mother of an infant. Yes, so you've had ma'am. to like, <laughs> in that way, you've reinvented motherhood simultaneously. Yeah. Because, because when I, when I found out I was pregnant, we'd been trying for many, for many years, but um, I was advanced maternal age. This, you know, you're over mm-hmm. 40. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you've got a geriatric I've uterus. A geriatric uterus. <laughs> Exactly. And so, uh, you know, I thought, this is what I want. This is what I want. I prayed about it and thought about it for so many years. And when I finally got it, and I was up all hours of the night, and we're at the doctor, and we're wondering what's going on, and and he was born premature, five weeks early. I mean, all of these things. Mm -hmm. I said, what in the world was I thinking? Mm -hmm. But he's the biggest blessing and challenge all in one ball of mm-hmm. 15 month oldness and mm-hmm. it's great and we love it and I don't regret it but it has posed some interesting challenges mm-hmm. um, in the coming year I'm going to be traveling you know 25 nights you know what does that mean for my husband when I'm out of town for so often mm-hmm. and 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 how do I still feel like I'm catching great moments with him when he's walking and talking and learning to do different things so um, it, it, so far I haven't missed out on too much I'm really trying to take uh, create more work-life balance, which thankfully waking up every day focused on just diversity, equity, inclusion has been able to do. It's allowed for me to really um, 
take into account what I value the most and right. work is what I value, but also family. And so you, you kind of measure what matters. So absolutely. Yeah. For both Kuma and myself, working for Tulsa People was our first big girl job in our early 20s. We both reflected fondly on that experience. I just felt like I was really living my best life yep. at 20-something yep. here at Tulsa People. So yeah, that was, was great. It was my first job in my 20s. Really? Too. Yeah, and I lived on Cherry Street. <laughs> yes, and you just feel like, oh, I'm right oh, close yes. to work. I work for a magazine. A magazine. <laughs> we go to events. Events, yes. I know everybody from their pictures, but they don't know they me. They don't know you. <laughs> That's exactly how I felt. Another thing Kuma and I have in common, our love of podcasts. I couldn't resist finding out what was in her podcast feed. What's on your listening list right now? Look, This American Life is what mm-hmm. started it all. I think maybe that's everyone's like yeah. first podcast that they get into. Oh, Ira Glass. <laughs> God, I love Ira Glass. <laughs> but I also love Radio Lab, mm-hmm. Hidden Brain, oh, yeah. um, Ear Hustle has been <gasps> really Ear Hustle, yeah. <laughs> it's been really good. Mm-hmm. Um, Criminal, Serial, all of those. I'm just yeah. like, I'm a fan. Anything Dr. Death. That, I've not done that oh. yet. Well, maybe don't. <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Tulsa Talks. If you enjoyed this episode, tell a friend about the show and leave us a rating or review on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Tulsa People or head to our home on the web, tulsapeople.com slash podcast. There, you'll find show notes and more info about our guests and topics. Every episode, we play you out with some local music. Today, we play you out with music from Zunus. The song is Power B off the band's latest release, the Earth to Self EP. Zunas recently released a music video for this song as well.
Zunis is one of nine musical acts to perform at Tribute to Tulsa this Saturday, May 4th, at Gathering Place. Check out more from the band at zunis.net. This episode of Tulsa Talks is brought to you by the Tulsa Regional Chamber. Original music by The Ear Slips, recorded and mixed by Mike Gilliland at Augie Reed Studios. Tulsa Talks is a Langdon Publishing production, recorded right here in beautiful downtown Tulsa, Oklahoma.